Amen. Luke chapter number one, verse 46 says, I feel like preaching now. Okay, just in case. I've been, I've been working on this all week. Congratulations, Yaz. We're excited about Yaz. I'm not going to embarrass her anymore. I'll be calling up on stage. She'll be like, Pastor. But uh, your church family is proud of you, and um, we are praying for you. We are interceding for you, uh, Pastor Shamika and I, regularly. We don't know, but we know that that's a lot. And um, we're going to be praying for God's favor over you and his resilience, and um, I just speak this over your life. This will not destroy you. I speak this. You, you will be okay. This will not destroy you. God's going to stand up in you. So the, I, I speak this. The stress and the aggravation, we pray against any type of complications, even in your body. God's showing me you've been wrestling with sleep and he's going to give you rest. This will not destroy you in Jesus' name. We pray that over her. Come on, you may not know her, but she's a part of our family. Clap your hands for her. Luke chapter 1, verse 46. Some of y'all got spoiled coming to change church because some of y'all grew up Pentecostal. And you know that means you was in church three hours. That last shout we had was the first of three. Where my Pentecostals at today? <laughs> That's the first of three. <laughs> Luke chapter 1, verse 46 says, And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name, for he who, has my, he who is mighty has done great things for me. I want to tag a title of this text and talk from this subject in our time together. There's something I need to say. <laughs> Clap your hands in here. Drop some fire in the chat if you're ready for God's word. On last week, family, we started our Advent series that we affectionately entitled Greater. Somebody say greater. greater. And we articulated that the word advent comes from the Latin word adventus and it means coming. So the advent season, the Christmas season, is a season where people of faith celebrate and appreciate the coming of Jesus. Easter, resurrection weekend, is the time that we celebrate him getting up. The Christmas or Advent season is the time we celebrate him coming down. 
And I want to remind you of something that is worthy of repeating, and that is the coming or the incarnation of Jesus is an introduction to the possibility of greatness. In other words, Jesus didn't just come to show us what he could do. He also came to show us what we could do. As a matter of fact, in one conversation that he was having with his apprentices, his mentees, his disciples, he said to them, greater works <laughs> shall you do over and beyond what I have done because I go to the Father and me and the Father will send the spirit that empowered me for greatness down to live on the inside of you. And John then put it this way, so now because the spirit that empowered him for greatness lives on the inside of you, the spirit that enabled him to do what he did, the Numa Christos, now lives on the inside of you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He didn't just come to show us what he could do. He also came to show us what we could do. He got up from his grave. We can get up out of dead situations. He bounced back from his Judas. We can bounce back from our betrayal. And we can come out of betrayal better and not bitter. He bounced back, watch, excuse me, he handled his haters to show us that we can handle ours. He overcame his temptation to show us that we can overcome ours. He is a picture of possibility for the believer. He is an example for us. Listen to me. An example for us, not just ethically, but he is an example for us in the area of possibility. He shows us a powerful picture of greatness. And I am telling you, I am arguing, I am asserting that God has not only given us the ability for greatness, he's given us the responsibility for it. In Genesis 12, 2, this is the way God says it to Abraham, I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you. I will make your name great. Watch this. And when I do that, you will be a blessing. Meaning that your ability to bless others is going to be determined by your willingness to accept and pursue greatness. Come on. 
He says, I'm going to bless you and the blessing, watch this, the blessing that is on you is going to contribute to you becoming a person of influence, greatness, and I will use your greatness as a conduit to be a blessing to others. We are not just called to be people of ethics. We are, but we are not just called to be people of ethics. We are called to be people also of contribution. God Almighty. We are not just called to live right. We are also called to make the world better. Am I making sense? And the enemy is aware of this reality. So he attempts to rob us, rob us of the gift of clarity and place us in a jail cell called confusion. He wants us confused and conflicted to the point that we are unable to understand that we've been uniquely designed and our differences are not deficiencies and that our idiosyncrasies are actually assets, some of them, and that some of our ways are not random or reflection of our wounds, but a consequence of an amazing creator who customized and crafted us in a certain way because he knows, watch this, what we were made for. Therefore, you got to be careful and conscious about how much credence you give to criticism on how you have been made when it comes from people who don't know what you've been made for. Did you hear what I just said? I said we've got to be careful and conscious about accepting criticism from people in regards to how we are made when it's coming from those who don't have a revelation of what I've been made for. People don't have enough information about you to be judging you. People are saying you too strong and they have no idea that what you've been made for requires strength. People are saying you're too loving and they have no idea that what you've been made for requires that you have unique mercy and unique empathy and you're able to enter into the pain and suffering of others. Some of you are accepting judgment from people that did not create you and did not call you and are not conscious of the reason God crafted you the way that he did. And we've got to learn to respond to that kind of criticism the way David would have in Psalms 139 verse 14 when he says, I will praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. See, y'all not ready. You're not ready because I'm trying to get you delivered from false humility. Yep, I'm trying to get you delivered from religious humility so that you can step into biblical humility because right here, religious humility would say this is arrogance. This isn't God saying this about David. This is David saying this about himself. David says to God, I will praise you. I'm looking for my church. David says to God, I'll praise you. Why? Because I am. 
fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works, speaking of his works in him, are wonderful. I want somebody to wake up tomorrow morning and look in the mirror and just say one word, wonderful. You knew what you were doing when you made me wonderful. You sent me into the earth at the exact time you wanted me to be here. Wonderful. You gave me the features and the capabilities and the competencies and the traits that I needed to do what you called me to do. Wonderful. I might not even know why I am made this way, but I know I'm made this way for a reason. Wonderful. The enemy does not want us to operate with that type of conviction and clarity because he knows when we get a proper understanding of who we are, we start unleashing who we are. I know we, start, I know we talk about David throwing his rock, but I'm telling you, this is your season to throw yourself. Do not touch them, but air high five somebody and tell them, throw yourself at it. Yeah, this is your season to throw yourself at it. You cannot be great if you are half-hearted in what you are doing. You cannot be great if you are haphazard with what you're doing. You cannot be great if you're infected with apathy. You've got to be all in or out. You've got to be hot or cold. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. And this is your season to throw yourself at it. When you throw yourself, <laughs> when you throw yourself at it, generational strongholds and patterns will be broken. When you throw all of yourself at it, doors are gonna start swinging open. When you throw yourself at it, walls are gonna start falling down. And there are many of you that have not stepped into all that is for you because you're throwing half of yourself in it. You've been wounded in the past, so you're hiding half of yourself. You've been disappointed in the past, so you're hiding half of yourself. You've made some missteps and some mistakes in the past, so you've been hiding half of yourself. I'm telling you, go back in that closet and get the rest of yourself and throw yourself at it. What could you really do if you threw all yourself in it? But we avoid throwing all of ourselves because all of ourself requires vulnerability. And when in previous seasons, other people have mismanaged or manipulated your vulnerability, you make vows in, in the past, excuse me, you make vows in the present about your future. So you go into your future being faithful to a vow you made in your past, not knowing you made that vow to yourself in pain. You were so hurt that purpose no longer became your priority. Pain management became your priority. 
So you put paint. Are y'all okay? My mic sounds hollow to me. It's good? Y'all can hear me? Uh, give me some more in the monitors or something. Uh, here, here it is. Here it is. Here it is. You put pain management over purpose. And when you put pain management over purpose, you will accomplish purpose to the degree that it doesn't put you at risk for pain. And that doesn't just affect how you do some things, it affects how you do all things. This is why some of you in a relationship and the person you with don't even know they don't have all you. Let me go here. Look. Yellow, this side, yellow, okay. Yeah, no, no, no. They, they don't know. You, you faithful, but they still don't have all you. They have no idea all of you not there. And sometimes that happens not because of what somebody else did in the past, but because of what the person you with did in the past. Let me go, because y'all... The devil does not want you to throw all yourself into a thing because he knows when you get unleashed, some things get unlocked. I said when you get unleashed, there are certain things that get unlocked and this is the season where we should be inspired to throw all of ourselves at something because the coming of Jesus is God throwing all of himself at us. If I'm making sense, say yes. We've been called, created, and commissioned for greater. However, don't, 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 don't tap out here. However, a revelation of greater doesn't mean we automatically experience greater. A revelation of it is God's invitation to it. It's God's way of saying, I'm inviting you to experience this. So in this series, we're teaching keys because this is a church. We're trying to help as many people as possible change their life. Not change something in your life, but change the way you live it. So that the way it's lived, watch this, so that the way it's lived reflects the way Jesus <clears throat> lived his, the way he loved, and the way he led. Does that make sense? Because most Christians live like other Christians. Christian doesn't mean Christian-like, it means Christ-like. So we want to help as many people as possible change their life so they can change the world. You hear me? So I'm preaching to world changers. You don't believe. I said, whether you know it or not, if you have no if there was no part of God's plan for your life for you to make a contribution to human flourishing, you don't need a church like this. You could go to any other church if you just want to feel better. But if you want to leave church and shake the earth, if you want to leave church and make a change, then God will draw you to a church like this. 
that is a dispatch center that will dispatch you into different parts of the world so that you can make the contribution you've been called to make. Can I, I got, I'm taking my time out. I'm taking my time. Uh, can I, can I just, can I keep it, can I keep it real with you? Right, come on, I just want to keep it straight gangsta. I don't want, I don't want to have to, can I just keep it real? I was in, um, when I was in Lagos, Nigeria, I was, there was another, uh, was an African-American brother who was from another country. And he was speaking. I said, how often do you come to the States? He said, um, I used to go a lot until I came to Africa. And he said, once I started preaching in Africa, I, I didn't go back, I don't go back to the States. I say, now wait a minute. I'm American now, wait a minute. Yeah, my country ain't perfect, but I'm, I'm going right back there when this over. <laughs> Y'all didn't hear what I just said? <laughs> Say, as soon as I'm done preaching, I'm going right back to. <laughs> soon as I'm done, I'm going right back to America. As soon as I'm done. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Woo! Anyway. I was like, uh, I don't, I don't know. Um, I don't understand what you mean. He said, it's hard for me to explain it, but once you preach here, you'll know what I'm talking about. And I spoke, and I thought that he was going to be referring to the, the hunger as a result of desperation. But the particular church we were in, in Lagos, is a very erudite church. Uh, one of the guys that volunteered to host us was a billionaire with Lagos, uh, with Lagos currency. When I say host us, meaning he was one of the guys driving us around. So this was a very upwardly mobile congregation. These weren't just, right, I don't want you to stereotype. So it wasn't like just like desperation. The difference was, and we get ready to break this, the difference was, Alex, not desperation. It was believability. Because people that look like them were actually running their world, they believed they could. Did you hear what I just said? So, so when I say you can change the world, when I say it in Lagos, they believe it. You don't get the 13 pedicate claps. When you say you're a world changer, they stand up. Because every day on the news, they see themselves. Come on. And in government, they see themselves. And in business, they see themselves. They actually believe it. So when I say you're a world changer, sometimes we don't respond. Not that you don't believe I believe it. You don't believe it for you. So let's try this again. Because you don't know what God getting ready to do in your life. You don't know what doors he getting ready to swing open. You don't know what position he getting ready to put you in. I said, I want to know, am I preaching to any world changers? 
right, I got to I got to go. I hadn't even got to my points here. So if we take that responsibility seriously, it means we realize that we are all oriented toward apathy and, and the pursuit of greatness must be intentional. You don't automatic, you don't accidentally become great. Make sense? Okay, and so we've been saying, hey, there are some keys to greatness that we've been talking, that we're going to be talking about all month. And on last week, we unlocked one of those keys. And one of those keys we unlocked last week was patience. We said greatness requires patience. In our text on today, our text today contains another key that unlocks greatness. And it is a key called gratitude. Did you? Did you hear what I just said? Yeah, see, this particular text here uh, that we just read in Luke is a powerful picture <laughs> of this principle of gratitude. See, this text exposes us. I want y'all, I want y'all, I want y'all to think about this. Most of the time when we're reading the Christmas story, Will, we stop at what Gabriel said to Mary. Got me? Okay. What I want us to look at today is what Mary said after Gabriel said what he said to Mary. Gabriel said what he said to Mary and Mary responded to what Gabriel said by saying this, my soul glorifies the Lord. Y'all on here? My spirit rejoices in God my Savior for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant and from now on y'all not ready for this kind of honesty generations will call me blessed y'all not ready see that's, that's too much for she said generations will know my name generations will call me blessed I'm gonna go down remembered That's Mary's response. I want to tell you why this response is significant, family. This response is significant because when Gabriel makes this announcement, his announcement to Mary creates disruption in her life. This is the way Mary responded. It's not the way most of us would have. Darius, what do you mean? It's right here. She's engaged to a man that she, I'm assuming, cares deeply about. And now she's got to go to that man she's engaged to and tell him, I'm pregnant. And God did it. <laughs> See, y'all, come on, come on. Come on with me. Come on. Come on. Come on. If you're with me online, just put wow in the chat. Just put wow. No, no, no. Come on. She's like, wait a minute. She's probably thinking, is he going to marry me? Y'all not talking to me? 
And truth be told, I can show you in the Bible where Joseph had made up his mind he wasn't. But I'm going to talk to you about that next week because you can't be great if you won't be flexible. <laughs> he had made up his mind that he was going to put her away. He said, I ain't doing this. So she wanted to get married and then get pregnant. Disrupted. She wanted to be with Joseph. Now she's wondering if he's going to be with her. Disrupted. She's got to tell her parents, I'm pregnant, but me, but it's... <laughs> Come on! This is a lot of disruption. This is a disruptive declaration. And many people say they want to be blessed, but they are not willing to have their lives disrupted because blessings in one area create burdens in another. Did you hear what I just said? I said blessings in one area present burdens in another. And some people are upset and were probably jealous over what she was carrying and they had no idea she didn't even ask for this. But in the midst of that disruption, I want you to see her response. It's a response of gratitude. Here's a revelation. I want to offer it in the form of a run-on sentence. Becoming a person of greatness begins with becoming a person of gratitude because greatness requires God and God gravitates to gratitude. Mary didn't get this opportunity and become grateful. Mary got this opportunity because she was. I'm going to say it again. Mary didn't get this opportunity and then become grateful. She got this opportunity because she was. Here it is. And the Holy Spirit spoke this to me yesterday. He said, Darius, you deliver this word tomorrow. And I'm going to deliver them on Wednesday. <clears throat> I'm going to say it again. He said, Darius, you deliver the word on tomorrow. I will deliver them on Wednesday. From Dar Pastor Darius, deliver us from what? From the enemy's secret weapon? From a yoke that he has around the necks of many of God's people? But because, because it is an emotional yoke, it's an invisible yoke. And because it's an invisible yoke, we don't know we're yoked. And because many people have this same yoke, the yoke seems normal. So because it's normal, you don't realize and recognize that you can live life without it. Watch this. Mary's response is an indication that she did not fall victim to the enemy's secret weapon of cynicism. Darius, what do you mean? Cynicism affects your sight. We live in a culture where we are being discipled into cynicism. Christian and cynic is an oxymoron. Am I making sense? 
cynicism affects your, affects your sight because watch this you can't see right when you're cynical the same thing that happened to Mary could have happened to some of us myself included but the cynicism in us would have only allowed us to see the disruption we would have been overwhelmed and overcome by the disruption because cynicism affects your sight and it won't let you see past the inconvenience but because <laughs> are y'all okay but because Mary was a person of gratitude, her being a person of gratitude means now that her eyes allowed her to see past the disruption and to see past the inconvenience and to see the opportunity that was in the midst of the adversity. Cynics don't fight Goliath because they look at him and they say he's too tall I can never win Sinner, Cynics do not defeat Jericho Because they look at the wall and they say it's too thick Cynics don't get through the Red Sea because they look at the sea and say no one can get through here Cynics don't walk on water because they say it's impossible to walk on water Cynics don't go in a grave and stay there three days and get up early Sunday morning because they do not believe it's possible to experience a resurrection and there are some things people have not accomplished and have not experienced not because they can't do it but because they can't see Tario they tired cynics cynicism Listen to me, I cannot, oh my God, uh, I, I, Lord have mercy. All right, here it is, here it is, here it is. Many people can't be great because they can't take advantage of opportunities that initially look like adversity. The enemy is at work with cynicism and he influences many of us to conflate cynicism with realism. So we end up saying, I'm a realist, when you're really a cynic. Realism acknowledge, acknowledges reality, but it doesn't deny possibility. It says, I, this is what it is, but, it, but that doesn't mean this is what it always has to be. cynicism and there are degrees there are ranges but I want you to pause just to reflect for a minute and ask yourself don't answer don't answer me don't answer me but just pause and reflect for a minute do you have that infection am I side eyeing everybody y'all hang on tight I I ain't even got to my points yet. I got five of them. You getting all five. Think, I, just want, I just want you to reflect. Has pain in the past infected you with cynicism in your present? Has failure in the past 
infected you with cynicism in your present? Has disappointment and discouragement in the past infected you with cynicism in your present? Gratitude, though, is the antidote to cynicism. You don't fight feelings with feelings. You fight feelings with principles. Did you hear what I just said? Watch this. Because becoming great means becoming grateful. Gratitude is not a feeling. Gratitude is a disciplined response to difficulty that produces the feeling of gratefulness. So I'm not trying to get you to fix a feeling. I'm trying to get you to develop a discipline of responding to difficulty and disruption with gratitude. And doing so will produce a feeling of gratefulness that will overthrow the feeling of cynicism. I'm, let me say it one more time. I am not trying to get you to fix feelings. Right now I can tell you, be happy. Uh, everybody, everybody, be happy. Come on, no, be happy. You can smile, but you can't be happy. Because many of us are trying to fight feelings by conjuring up feelings. When you fight feelings with disciplines. So gratitude is a disciplined response to difficulty. It says, I might be prompted to respond a certain way, but I'm going to discipline that response and I'm going to respond with gratitude. And the discipline of gratitude produces the feeling of gratefulness and the feeling of gratefulness overrides the feeling of cynicism. Gratitude, it comes from the conviction that God is always up to something. Gratitude, it believes God is always actively trying to advance me and, and that advancement doesn't always show up in the form I expect. Mary models this. This girl's not even showing yet. No morning sickness. All she got, no baby bump. All she got is a word. <laughs> Y'all miss it. She just got a word that is coming. She just got a word that is on the way. She just got a word that God's getting ready to do it. She just got a word. And based on the word alone, you see this response of gratitude. Gratitude is not about changing my feelings. It's about changing my focus. It's about training myself to search for and give attention to the greatness of God in the midst of whatever season I'm in. It's not just a good idea. It's a God idea. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's preference. No, this is God's will. Why? Because whenever God tells us to do anything, it's not because he needs us to do it, it's because we need to do it. And he's saying, I want you to have this disciplined response of gratitude because gratitude is a prerequisite for, prerequisite for greatness. I was sitting with some people last week who were very, very accomplished people, and I asked them, have you ever seen anybody great that's a cynic? 
I say, of course, there are some exceptions, but generally speaking, greatness in your field, have you seen it with cynics? And they say, no. Because great people always have to look at the same situation other people are looking at from a different vantage point. They're like, it's a recession. They're like, oh, I'm about to go crazy. See, come on! So gratitude is a gift that keeps on giving. Let me give you, let me give you five gifts gratitude gives you, and then I'm, I'm going home. I got another service. No, I'm not. <laughs> I got to go to West End. Okay. Well, here it is. I ain't going home, but I got to go leave here. This is what gratitude does. Number one, it recognizes the contributions of God in the past and requests an encore. Did you hear what I just said? It recognizes the contributions of God in the past and requests an encore. All throughout scripture, you'll see God telling his people, remember, 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 remember. He even implemented feasts that they would observe every year so that they could remember. One of these feasts was the Feast of Passover. When they were in Egypt, in Egyptian bondage and captivity, and he told Moses, I want you to take the blood from an innocent lamb and tell the people to take the blood from the lamb and put it on their doorposts. And when the angel of death in the form of that plague comes through Egypt, whenever I see the blood I'm gonna pass over he said I want to I want you to remember that I'm the God that makes some stuff pass over you it was on your block but it passed over you it was in your bloodline but it passed over you it was in your city but it passed over you and what gratitude does is it remembers that and requests an encore do it again I got to get out of here but somebody in this room, somebody online, just open your mouth and say, do it again. Okay, number two, it reinforces the credibility of God and rebuilds your confidence in it. The quality of your faith is going to be based on your revelation of God's credibility. And God's credibility increases your confidence. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 35 says, do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. Gratitude gives you confidence. Confidence gets you a reward. Gratitude gives you confidence. Confidence gets a reward. Gratitude gives you confidence, and confidence gets you a reward. You become more confident when in your mind God's more credible. Number three, it restricts the enemy's ability to use my imagination to infect me with anxiety. devil wants to use your imagination too all worry is is the enemy using my imagination <laughs> some anxiety comes from undisciplined imagination what's that assumptions premature anticipation of the non-fulfillment of the promises of God so you really think God not going to do what he said Number four, let me see if y'all can handle this one. It attracts individuals that are actually able to add value to my life. I don't know if y'all can handle this, but if you are married, you need an Elizabeth. Did you hear what I just said? 
And gratitude attracts individuals that are actually able to add value in my life. I'm not saying that every relationship will be an asset, but all of your relationships should not be liabilities. Did you hear what I just said? I mean, you taking everybody else to the next level. You helping everybody else get their stuff together. You helping everybody else accomplish their dream. If you are sowing that kind of seed, shouldn't you be reaping a harvest where God is sending people to your life that's helping you do what you couldn't do on your own? Number five. It is an indication that you can be trusted with additional unique opportunities. Gratitude is the seed for more. It is a prophetic picture of how we will handle future blessings. Watch this. As a parent, how do you respond to a child that is grateful for the smallest things? How, hey... How will you respond to a child who just walk in your room for no reason and say, Mama, I just want to thank you for my room? How will you respond to a son that walks up to you and say, Daddy, I just want to thank you for working so hard for me? How will you respond to a child that gets very happy over a happy meal? Their expression of appreciation gives you the motivation to do more. I'm going to West Hampton. I said their expression of appreciation gives you motivation to do more. Oh, you want to thank me for a happy meal? I'm getting ready to give you a Big Mac. And if we as imperfect parents respond that way to our children, how much more shall your heavenly father respond to you when you have an attitude of gratitude i gotta get out of here you in new jersey but before i leave there's something i need to say it's only two words i gotta say thank you i know it's not thanksgiving but a winner, I think, of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me. My soul cries out, hallelujah. Thank God for saving me. I need to say something. Thank you, Jesus. I need to say something. You made a way. I need to say something. You keep opening doors. I need to say something. Every time I turn around, you keep on blessing me. Is there anybody in the building today that's got to say thank you? It could have been me outdoors with no food and no clothes all alone without a friend just another number with a tragic end but you didn't see fit to let none of these things be every day by your power you keep on keeping me i want to say thank you lord thank you lord 
thank you, Lord, for Chris, there's something I need to say. I need. He don't need to hear it. I need. I need to say this. Y'all know I'm a little old school. I'm young. I'm young, but I'm old school. So every now and then, I got to have a little bit of that for me. Thank you, Lord. Come on, real quick, we got to go. Lift your hands. Take me, take me old school, Chris. Thank you, Lord. Thank you.